Uh, Genesis chapter 40, and I know you guys are hungry, and so I only have a two-hour message today, uh, so you'll be okay. Uh, Genesis chapter 40, we'll begin reading at verse number one and read the very first four verses to get started today. Uh, the word of God, Genesis chapter 40, uh, beginning at verse one. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of, e of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them and they continued a season in ward. Let's ask God's help. Father, we love you. We praise you. We adore you. Father, quiet our hearts, remove distractions, hold back hindrances. May your Holy Spirit have his will accomplished in this place today for the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose holy and precious name we pray. Amen. In 1994, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, I understand they produced a radio program perfectly designed for the patience level of our fast-changing, fast-paced culture. The drama series was entitled The Telephone Box, and it had exactly three episodes. And each episode was one minute long. The entire series lasted three minutes. Scriptwriter Wally Daly said, It is a real play and fulfills the criteria, having a beginning, a middle, and an end. And all three episodes were played on the very same day, interspersed with music, because if there was a week between the episodes, Daly explained, listeners would not remember what had happened. As I read that, I thought, well, what about our sermons? Can you imagine if three minutes is the most we can handle? Maybe I should try that sometime. Point one, we'll sing a hymn. Point two, we'll sing a hymn. Point three, we'll sing a hymn. You'd like that probably, wouldn't you? See, got an amen. First time Bucky said amen in months. But, you know, three minutes is what they said that the patience level could endure. But, you know, sometimes we want God to work in our lives in the very same way. The way he does uh, to work like the telephone box. Three minutes at the most. Certainly no more. But, you know, God often works on a much different timetable. Don Anderson wrote, good things come to those who wait. The old adage uh, goes, yet isn't the typical American perspective, good things come a lot faster to those who won't wait. He said, I'm afraid so. He said, although our lives many times are slowed because of crawling traffic jams, crowded store lines and creeping bank lines, we never get used to waiting. It is excruciating for us. We detest delays of almost any kind. So we pop frozen waffles into the toaster rather than whipping up the real thing. We stir spoonfuls of instant coffee into mugs of microwave boiling water instead of waiting for the percolator to do its stuff. We fume at ticket agents when flights are behind schedule. We run our credit cards to the limit rather than saving for major purchases. Simply put, we hate to wait. And I think he's right. But, you know, as difficult as it is to wait for good things like real waffles and fresh brewed coffee, how much more difficult is it to wait during those long, hard, 
difficult times of life. How much harder is it to wait during those times of sorrow? We often forget in those times what the truth, the poet said to verse, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. But I walked a mile with sorrow and ne'er a word said she, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We might as well be honest. Waiting during those difficult times is not fun. And here in chapter 40 of Genesis, our man Joseph is still waiting. His dreams have not been fulfilled. Uh, He's honored God. He's stayed pure. He's done what's right. Yet he finds himself still there in the dungeon. But I want you to know something. God isn't through with Joseph yet. He's still working all things together for good. And God's glory. God is using these difficulties to mature him, to prepare him, to grow him, to make him the man that he desires him to be. If you'll back up into the previous chapter, chapter 39, and we'll begin reading at verse 20. It says there in Genesis 39, 20, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. You see, he could not keep this good man down. He was like cream. He always rose to the top no matter what. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him when things were going great in Potiphar's house. And he was a successful slave. But you know what? The Lord was also with him when things soured there. The Lord was with him when he ended up in prison. I told you last week, the Lord didn't send him to prison. But the Lord went with him to prison. The Lord was with him. Now, I'll be honest. We don't know how many prisoners were in this particular prison. But we do know that Joseph was put in charge of them. And one day there was added to this prison population two more prisoners. Now, we're not told their names. We're not told their serial numbers. We're not even told their crimes. But we know several things about them. We know they were officers. Look at chapter 40, verse 2. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. So we have here officers of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, the chief of the butlers and the chief of the bakers. Now, we recognize these people, these men are more than just some old servants in King's palace. They were the chief or head butler and the chief or head baker. They were officers. They held very important positions. We'll see later in our reading, if we get down to verse 11, as he has a dream, he says, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. We find the chief butler was actually Pharaoh's cupbearer, his cupbearer. If you remember, the responsibility of the cupbearer was to try the wine and the food before the king ate it to ensure its safety, to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Because, you see, being a ruler carried a great risk, just as it does today. Some people want you dead. And one of the ways they do that, slip a little poison in your food. And so the cupbearer would partake of the wine and the food and, and find out if indeed it was safe. 
And being so close to the king, the cupbearer, the chief butler here, he observed, he watched, he noticed things that the king would say and do and those interacted with him. He saw those things like few other servants ever would. You know, probably the most famous cupbearer in the Bible is named Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And so close were Nehemiah and King Artaxerxes that one day the king even noticed that Nehemiah was sad in his presence. Something you dare not do as a servant of the Lord. So to be the king's butler was more than just answering the door and grabbing the king's slippers. This man was very important. Now, the other officer was referred to here as the chief baker. And he, too, was more than just the fellow that cooked the bread and sweets. Steve Farrar said every head of state will often put on lavish state dinners for visiting dignitaries, sometimes four or five times a week. That's where the baker would come in. This guy wasn't making donuts down at Krispy Kreme. I'm sorry, guys. I really didn't plan this. Okay, I really didn't. This guy wasn't making donuts down at Krispy Kreme. He was a world class chef who was responsible to put out the very best cuisine for his, for the guest of Pharaoh's. If he were around today, have his very own show on the Food Channel. They were officers, very important people, very important men in Pharaoh's kingdom and in his his cabinet. But notice they were also offenders. Look back at verse one again. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers. They were offenders. Now, what did these guys do? We don't know. The scripture does not tell us. But whatever they did, whatever it was, they made Pharaoh so angry that he threw them into prison. And if you'll notice verse three, you'll see God working all things out. Look at verse three. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. Now, I dare say the day that these two men showed up, uh, Joseph didn't recognize what a part they were going to play in his life. Just as we don't often recognize those little things, we call them, that come in our lives. Those insignificant things that come. But there they are. They're officers. They're offenders. And I want you to notice, certainly, they were overseen by Joseph. Verse 4 is very interesting. Look back at it. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. And he served them. And they continued a season in ward. Now, the captain of the guard took these men. And he said, Joseph, you're responsible for these fellows. That's interesting. You say, why, preacher? Look back at chapter 39, verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the next part says what? Captain of the guard. An Egyptian bought him. And then I go to chapter 40, verse 4 this morning. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. If I understand that correctly, unless something happened and the position was changed and some other fellow was serving there, do you know who it was that brought these two men and said, Joseph, you oversee them? It was Potiphar himself. Remember, I told you last week that we weren't so sure that Potiphar believed his wife and her story. I think here's further proof of that. 
But notice a couple of things about Joseph here. Look back at verse four. And the captain of the guard, Potiphar, charged Joseph with them and he served them. Joseph served them. This is the same young man that was unjustly put in this prison because he'd done right. The same young man who had been faithful to his master, faithful to his God, yet he's suffering for it. But we don't find him moping around. We don't find him having a pity party. He's busy serving others who are there in the prison. He's still a prisoner himself. He's still bound himself. Yet he's busy helping others rather than pitying himself. Maybe you're sad today. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to plan a pity party for myself real soon. Maybe this afternoon would be a good time. May I be bold a moment and say something to you? And I'll say it kindly. Go help somebody else instead. Go help somebody else instead. You say, well, preacher, you don't understand. Uh, No, go help somebody else instead. It's amazing how helping somebody else will help you. Just go out. I don't know what's going on in your life, but just go out and say, I'm going to show the love of Jesus Christ to somebody else today and see how it will bless you. Don't have the pity party. Go out and serve somebody else. But notice something else here. It says in verse 7, talking about, let's back up to verse 6. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? I want you to notice he not only served them, he was also sensitive to them. He showed compassion. He showed care for them. Let's be honest. They probably looked sad a lot. (laughs) I mean, there they were bound in prison. They were the the head or chief butler and the head or chief uh, uh, baker. And and they've been thrown in prison. I imagine they weren't down there singing, you know, and rejoicing. They looked sad many times, day in and day out. But one day Joseph came by and was very sensitive and noticed something had changed. Something was different. He had compassion upon them. They were sad and troubled. And Joseph said, guys, what's going on? He sought to minister to them. Two more prisoners. But I want you to notice something else this morning. Two more dreams. It says in verse eight, they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of it. (laughs) Now, imagine here's Joseph. He's there and he says, guys, what's going on? You look like you're troubled. You look like you're sad. They said, hey, we've had a dream. Each one of us had a dream. There's no interpreter. <laughs> and I can imagine Joseph might say, well, wait a minute, boys. I don't want to hear anything about dreams. No, no, thank you. I had some dreams once and it got me where I am today. No, thank you. I had some dreams that turned out to nightmares. But I don't find him saying that. I don't even find him giving the impression of it. Not at all. They were troubled Because they thought there's nobody here to interpret our dreams. They had no idea they were speaking to the dreamer himself. Look back at verse 8 at what Joseph says to them. And Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me them, I pray you. Now think about this for a moment. After all that he'd been through. After all that he's going through. God, uh, Joseph is still faithful to his God. And the very first thing he says, do not interpretations belong to God. I think we can also be safe in saying, based upon that, that Joseph still held on to his own dreams. 
he had the interpretation of dreams given by God here. Now, Joseph had had two dreams. And now here are two more dreams that he's confronted with. Now, the butler and baker, it says in verse five, go back. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. Each man is dreaming one night, each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound to the prison. So one night they both had a dream. Let's talk about the butler's dream first, beginning in verse nine. And the chief butler, that is the cupbearer, told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded and her blossoms shot forth and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. That was his dream. Joseph listens to it. Verse 12 says, and Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The, the three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee into thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner which thou wast his butler. Now imagine you're that butler there and you're chained there and you've been there for some time and you get that news. Man, that's exciting. That's wonderful. I hope you're right, Joseph. Man, th- only three more days and I'm going to be out again with Pharaoh serving him. Then Joseph makes a request. It's interesting. And I like this because these next two verses, they remind us that Joseph is human. I mean, because you look at Joseph's life, you begin to think, wow, is this guy real? He is. And I think we see some of it here in verses 14 and 15. Look at what he says. But think on me when it shall be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. Verse 15, for indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. He says, hey, would you remember me? I think we have a ray of hope here for Joseph. He says, you're going to be right there. You're going to have Pharaoh's ear mention me. Tell them about me. Get me out of this place. I didn't do anything to deserve it. And I think it's very interesting how Joseph words that. He doesn't, he doesn't mention his brothers and their cruelty. He doesn't mention a, a Potiphar's wife, Predator. He's just very broad, very basic to say, I'm innocent. Please mention me. And now we have the baker's dream. Verse 16. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was... Good. (laughs) He's like a lot of folks, isn't he? Don't tell me the bad. Just tell me the good. I don't want to go to a church where they preach the truth and preach judgment and and preach hell. I want to hear good things. And our world is filled with that. He said, hey, that's a good interpretation. And I like that. He said it to Joseph, verse 16 I also was in my dream and behold, I had three white baskets on my head and in the uppermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. Joseph listens. Verse 18. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. (laughs) So far, so good. 
Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and shall hang thee on a tree and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Joseph gave a difficult interpretation. He didn't water it down. He didn't lie to it. He was faithful in delivering it. I think he was probably very compassionate and loving as he said it. And God was given these interpretations. And when we speak for God, beloved, when we preach or teach the Bible, we must preach grace and judgment. Heaven and hell. Notice the dreams fulfilled, verse 20. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. Watch what happens. He lifted up the head of the chief butler, the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler into his butlership again, just as Joseph had interpreted. And he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Things happened just as Joseph said they were. Why? Because God had given him the interpretations. Now, no doubt Joseph was waiting now for somebody to come and get me out. No doubt it'll take a little bit of time, but the butler's going to remember me. He's going to speak to Pharaoh about this young Hebrew who's been cruelly and falsely imprisoned, this dream interpreter, and very, very soon somebody's going to come and say, Hey, Joseph, you're free. But we read the next verse, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him or forgot him, forgotten. Maybe you looked out. Nobody came today. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, that's not for me. It's just another prisoner. Oh, maybe the next. And we find that day after day turned into week after week was turned to month to month. Can you imagine the disappointment that Joseph faced? And in reality, listen, we have not only two more prisoners, not only two more dreams, but also two more years. Look at the very next verse, chapter 41, verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. Think about that. Two more years. Man may have forgotten Joseph, but God had not. God never forgets. Even the best of men are men at best. Men will fail us. God never will. Joseph wanted out now. We're like that, aren't we? Now, deliver me, Lord. Now, this difficulty, this hardship, I want delivered out of it. Now. God said, wait. God said, wait. Joseph, if he had gotten out that moment, probably would have went home to his father, Jacob. But God had something better in store for him. Waiting is difficult. And maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, I'm in one of those waiting times in my own life. Well, let me ask you this. How are you passing the time? I think we learned some lessons here from Joseph that will greatly help all of us. During those waiting times, we find ourselves in from time to time. What do you do while you're waiting? Well, I think several things. If you jot these down. 
First of all, while you're waiting, you ready? Be a servant. Be a servant. It says back in the very first part of this passage, uh, verse four, it says he served them. In other words, Joseph was focused upon others, focused upon their needs and not his own. He decided to be like the Lord Jesus and serve others. So it's difficult, I know. But serve. Be a servant. Secondly, we learn to be compassionate. Share the love of Jesus. Help others. He was so sensitive, so in tune to these two guys, he noticed one day something a little bit different, and he expressed compassion and love and sensitivity. I think thirdly, we say be faithful. Trust God. We said, what does he say right away? Do not interpretations belong to God. His focus was upon the Lord. We have Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Be faithful. Be a servant. Be compassionate. Be faithful. And I think here's when you need to realize, be witnessing. Be witnessing. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I noticed something. He immediately pointed them when they said about this interpretation and the need for these dreams being interpreted. He said, God, God, God's the answer. Now, we're not told here today, but one has to wonder if maybe during this time, I mean, three days, the baker's going to be done away with. One has to wonder if maybe Joseph didn't say, hey, let me talk a little bit more about my God. Jehovah. And I think here's the last thing I want to mention, that is be patient. Now, you know what that is? That's good preaching and hard living, isn't it? Ha! That's easy to say. Be patient. What I mean, God's timing is always perfect. We are in a hurry. God is not. God is working out all things for our good and his glory. And when those disappointments in life come, and they will come, give them to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. Erwin Lutzer, in his fine book on Joseph called Keep Your Dreams Alive, tells us about a man named Bob Wheland. You see, Bob Wheland had both of his legs blown off when he stepped on a mine in Vietnam. And Bob Wheland eventually taught himself to lift weights. And four times, Bob Whelan won the national bench press competition. Think about that. A man with no legs. Incredible strength. But his his wins were disputed. You know why? Because the rules required the participants must wear shoes. After four wins, he received a phone call from one of the judges. And Bob thought for sure that the message would be they decided to change the rules so he could legally be acknowledged as the winner. But it was not to be. You know what the decision was? Bob, you're disqualified for life because you cannot wear shoes. Rather than becoming bitter with such mistreatment, here's what Bob Whelan said. He said, whether you give me the award or not, it's okay by me because the fun was in the journey. The fun was in the journey. And Lutzer commented, circumstances cannot imprison the human spirit. It's not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game. 
He said, some people, some people live in a palace with their hearts in prison and others live in prison with their hearts in the palace. And the presence of God makes all the difference in the world. What disappointment are you facing today? What waiting time are you facing? I couldn't help but think about this verse. I think you may know it. Isaiah forty thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad to know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though the night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift. And plain it all he'll make through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. God is faithful. God is in control. I want to encourage you again today, beloved. Be a servant. Be compassionate. Be faithful. Be witnessing and be patient knowing that God does not make mistakes. Would you bow your head, please, and close your eyes? Very quickly today, I wonder, somebody's here today. You say, preacher, you talked about being a witness and sharing the gospel. And I realized today I'm not even a Christian. Well, friend, I've got great news. Jesus died for you. Jesus arose for you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus will save you. If you'll come to him in repentance and faith. If that's your need today, I want to encourage you to trust Jesus Christ alone. Others are here today and say, preacher, I'm going through some difficult times. I'm in one of those waiting times right now. And it's excruciating. Friend, will you trust the Lord in that? Will you give that to him and say, hey, Lord, here I am. Use me. I want to be a servant. I want to be compassionate. I want to learn the lessons you have for me. I want to be matured. I want to be grown in this. Help me to witness. Help me to focus upon God. Help me to be patient. Would you bring that burden, those troubles, those trials to the Lord today and say, Lord, I know you never make mistakes. I know your timing is always perfect. I rest on you today. I wait on you, Lord. And I trust you. I cling to you. I rely totally upon you. You're in control. Would you do that today? Would you do that today? Father, we love you. We praise, worship, and adore you. You alone are worthy. Father, we know that we we don't deserve the least of your benefits. It's in love you bestowed mercy and grace. Father, I pray if there's one person here today that does not know Jesus Christ the Savior, I pray that you grip their heart right now. And Lord, bring them to a saving knowledge 
of Jesus Christ before this service ends. I pray for believers who are struggling. Lord, help them to rest in you today. You don't make mistakes. You're in control. Father, bless in our invitation time. Work out things for your glory and our good as we know you will. In Jesus' name, amen.